Hi, this is Pastor Matt, and I want to welcome you to our Blue Oaks Church podcast. At the end of this episode, feel free to download our Blue Oaks Church app, where you'll be able to access resources, events, and ways to get connected at Blue Oaks and in the community. The app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around Blue Oaks. Most importantly, though, I just hope that you enjoy this episode and it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. I want to start this message with a question. How do you know you're a Christian? How do you know you're a follower of Jesus? After all, people get deceived about a lot of things. Experts in finance say bright people sometimes think they're on solid financial ground when the truth is they're one step away from bankruptcy. Experts in nutrition say a lot of people think they have healthy eating habits, but their diet is a disaster. Our potential to deceive ourselves about things is really quite high. So thoughtful people have to wonder, how do you know you're really a Christian? What are the indicators? The writers of scripture speak about many important indicators. Uh, If there's spiritual life in me and I'm a Christian, I will have understood and embraced Jesus' teaching, uh, his offer of forgiveness and new life through his death on the cross and his resurrection. Another indicator is that I have a growing love for God and I want to learn about him together with other believers. I want to study the Bible and I want to worship. Another one is I have a greater sensitivity to the presence of sin in my life and my conscience is tender. Another one is I'm more responsive to the leadings of the Holy Spirit. And another one is, I want other people to know about God, and so I share my faith. Uh, These are marks showing the presence of spiritual life. If they're present, well, they're indicators that God is at work in my life uh, and that I belong to him. If they're not present, little warning lights ought to go on like they do on the dashboard of my car. You know, these these little uh, warning lights alert me to dangers. And some of them are quite subtle, which is a good thing because I know virtually nothing about cars. Uh, There's a little light that comes on that says the engine is heating up. (laughs) And I probably wouldn't know that if it weren't for that little light. Uh, There's a little light that comes on to say uh, the oil is low. And I probably wouldn't know that if it weren't for that little light. These lights are warning lights. So you know you have to do something. And what I want to do is I want to talk today about one of the primary practices that really is an indicator of the presence of spiritual life. Uh, This practice is called a sacrament. Uh, We really only have two sacraments at Blue Oaks, uh, baptism and communion. And today I wanna talk about baptism. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus, but are not following him in this practice, I hope a few warning lights go on for you today. A baptism is an expression in a public way of someone who has put their trust in Jesus, and has become his follower. Uh, Baptism is really the initiation rite of the Christian faith. It's when you go public. You know, it's one thing to say in the privacy of your own heart, I'm committed to God. It's another thing to stand in front of the church and say, I'm publicly proclaiming myself to be a follower of Jesus. And this is the primary commitment of my life. Baptism was so important to Jesus that the very first thing he did when he began his public ministry was to be baptized. I mean, before he turned the water into wine, before he fed 5,000 people with a few loaves and fish, uh, before he healed the sick and the lame, before he delivered the Sermon on the Mount, uh, before he even invited the first person to follow him, 
Jesus was baptized. In his final instruction to his followers, Jesus said, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Baptism was to be one of many steps in the spiritual journey of following Jesus. And baptism became the practice and the pattern of the early church. When 3,000 people came to faith in Jesus Christ on one day, uh, the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, all 3,000 were baptized that day. When an Ethiopian official had the gospel explained to him by Philip, uh, they came to some water and the Ethiopian asked to be baptized right there. Luke said in Acts 8, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's water, what can stand in the way of me being baptized? There are nine conversion stories recorded in the book of Acts. Every one of them begins with a person putting their faith in Jesus Christ, and every story ends with the visible expression of baptism by that person. And I wanna encourage you, if you haven't been baptized, to seriously consider this today. And so I wanna devote the remainder of our time to some common questions about baptism so that you can give this a good consideration. All right, the first question is, why was Jesus baptized? I mean, even John the Baptist was puzzled by this. In Matthew 3, we read, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? John said he's the one who needs to be baptized by Jesus. He's basically saying, like, I'm the sinner here, not you. So why was Jesus baptized? I want to identify four things that I'd like you to consider. Uh, first, Jesus was baptized to mark a turning point in his life. When Jesus was baptized, he was announcing publicly a change of purpose in his life. Uh, he was putting the carpenter tools back in the toolbox, and from that point on, John the Baptist, his cousin, didn't introduce Jesus as the carpenter from Nazareth, uh, but as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Baptism was a turning point in the life and ministry of Jesus. And like Jesus, there comes a point in all of our lives where we recognize our need for transition, for a change of purpose, for a turning point. But unlike Jesus, we're sinners. You know, we've done things to mess up our lives. Jesus said in Luke 5, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So for us, putting our faith in Jesus ought to mark the turning point in our lives. That's called repentance. Uh, Luke writes in Acts 3, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. You know, if we didn't need to make some serious changes in our lives, we wouldn't need Jesus Christ. I mean, it's like the person who signed up for a fitness class and the instructor said to be sure to wear loose clothing. And this person said, if I had any loose clothing, I wouldn't need this class. <laughs> I mean, if we didn't need to make some changes in our lives, we wouldn't need Jesus. And when we get baptized, we're announcing a turning point. Uh, we're stating that with the grace and power of Jesus Christ in our lives, we're turning away from things like lying or gossip or greed or lust. A baptism uh, ought to mark a turning point in our lives where we say that with God's power and grace, we're now depending on him to walk in a new direction. All right, the second reason is 
Jesus was baptized as a public expression of his commitment to God. Uh, you know, when we get married, we go through a ceremony to publicly express our commitment to our spouse. In California, it just takes a marriage license, a qualified official, one witness, and you can get married in like 30 seconds. And so the obvious question is, why do pastors take so long with wedding ceremonies when it could be done in 30 seconds? And the answer is to make the father of the bride think he's getting his money's worth. Uh, so why do people go to all the expense and all the time for an elaborate wedding? Because it's such a personally meaningful experience for them. Uh, the ceremony is the way to announce publicly the significance of the new relationship. Well, when Jesus was baptized, it was a, a public expression of his allegiance to God the Father. When the writer of scripture says in a casual way that Jesus traveled from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John the Baptist, it's important that you know that for him, that was about a 60 mile walk. I mean, that's how important and how significant this was to him. And after Jesus pledged his commitment to God the Father in this way through baptism, this is what Matthew writes. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. It was very obvious that God the Father was pleased with this public commitment from Jesus. When a believer in Jesus Christ gets baptized, that person is making a public declaration before God and their friends, family, and church of their commitment to follow Jesus Christ. It's a statement that says God comes first now in your life. And that's an awesome commitment. And it needs to be a personal, uh, calculated decision that only you can make. All right, the third reason is, Jesus was baptized as a demonstration of humility. Uh, John the Baptist was shocked that Jesus asked to be baptized. He said he wasn't even worthy to carry his sandals. He said, I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. Like, why do you come to me? But Jesus was willing to be baptized to demonstrate that he humbly came to serve and he humbly came to lead by example. I mean, he could have said he didn't need to be baptized because he was the son of God. Uh, he could have been concerned that people might think he was a terrible sinner or something like that if he got baptized and he hadn't sinned. But instead, Jesus walked into the Jordan River and John, another human being, lowered the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, under the water and lifted him back out. It took humility for Jesus to be baptized. And all throughout his ministry, Jesus demonstrated humility like that. And he never asks us to do what he himself wasn't willing to do first. To be honest with you, I think one of the biggest obstacles some people have to being baptized, and maybe you have it, is pride. And you need to know that the writers of scripture say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Baptism is a demonstration of your humility. And if because of your pride, you say you could never be baptized, I just want you to remember that Jesus humbled himself. He walked miles to the Jordan River. The King of Kings, Lord of Lords, allowed himself to be baptized. And he simply asked others to follow his example.
All right, the fourth reason is Jesus was baptized as a picture of his ultimate mission. What was the ultimate mission of Jesus? His ultimate mission was to die on a cross as a sinless substitute for us, to be buried in a tomb and then to raise from the dead eternally. And that's what baptism pictures when a person goes down into the water like a dead person being buried and then rising back up, coming to life. Uh, Paul writes to the Romans, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of God the Father, we too may live a new life. Every time a person is baptized, it's reenacting the death, the burial, and the resurrection, the ultimate mission of Jesus. And the writers of scripture say very clearly that we ought to be baptized because Jesus wants us to identify visibly with his death, burial, and resurrection. Now, you may be ready to do this. You may be ready to mark a turning point in your life, to publicly express your commitment to God, to humble yourself, and to picture his ultimate mission as changing your life. Uh, but maybe you have a few more questions that are unanswered. And so in a moment, I'm gonna do my best to answer a few more questions. It may be hard to tell, but I am standing in our future next-gen, next-generation room. It's going to be the room where the middle school and high school students gather for Sunday worship, where they meet for small groups, for community, where they make those lasting friendships with the adult mentors and the community around them. I can't wait for this room, even when it looks like this. It also may be the room where they throw dodgeballs against the wall and make some fart noises, but that's besides the point. If you know me, you know that I've worked with students for about 12-ish years now, and, and I love working with students for a lot of reasons, uh, but one of my favorite things about working with students is when they're ready to be baptized. This past year, we've baptized a bunch of students, both in church and at Hume and at other areas, and students, when they're baptized, come with such certainty about this action they're choosing to do. They tell us that they're ready, and naturally when they say they're ready, we ask them some questions to make sure they know what baptism is and why baptism is happening. And they come with those questions with real, excited answers. They're completely certain about this step in their faith. They've met God, they've been transformed by God, and they wanna show this relationship by being baptized. The students carry this certainty that sometimes I feel like I lack in my own faith life. Too many questions or doubts, too many bad past experiences or too much shame and guilt on my own end makes me hesitant to take a step with God. And maybe as you've been listening to Matt talk about baptism, you find yourself in that place. And maybe you've had questions that have gone unanswered about baptism. And while Matt is talking, the, the question still lingers. Or maybe you feel like you're a little too old or you've been in church too long and it would be embarrassing. Maybe your pride is in the way, or you just can't make that step. Oh, well, friends, here at Blue Oaks, we believe and really truly in our deepest hearts know that taking that step for baptism is an important step in our faith journey. Even when we're wrestling with God or have questions, we can still take tiny steps forward and ultimately reach the point where we're ready to be baptized to make this outward declaration of the life that we're choosing to leave, a Christ-centered life. And so if, as you've been listening to Matt, you think you're ready, if God is healing some of those wounds, answering some of those questions, if the Spirit is prompting you to move, 
It's not too late. And the time is now. It's a little too late because you did miss the Sunday's baptism. But if you're listening and you're ready to be baptized, you can be baptized in the next series or in the next time we baptize. And if you're ready, I encourage you to get in touch with myself or to log on to our website and sign up to to be baptized. Listen to what God is doing, to how God is moving in your life, and take this next step in your faith journey. All right, you ready to get like really infomercially on this? If you are ready, you can sign up by going to blueoakschurch.org forward slash baptism, or you can email me. My name is Kylie, and so my email is Kylie, K-Y-L-I-E, McCormick, M-C-C-O-R-M-I-C-K, Kylie McCormick at blueoakschurch.org, and we can get you ready for baptism. For those of you who are listening, who have already made that decision, who have already been baptized, you can participate too. We as a community want to be praying for our friends and those around us who are starting to think about that next step. And so I encourage you to start praying for those around you, praying for those in our community who are starting to think about what baptism looks like for them. And God is present, even in places like this, and God is present in our lives, always. And sometimes it takes a little bit longer to make that step in our faith towards baptism. And we hope that something you hear today helps you make that next step, helps you be ready to display your love and your life in Christ through baptism. And if your questions aren't answered, well, Matt is still going to talk about a few more questions. So let's rejoin him as he talks more about baptism. All right. Another common question people have about baptism is, when should I be baptized? Uh, Maybe you were baptized as a baby or a a child and you wonder if you should be baptized again. Or maybe you recently decided to follow Jesus and you wonder how much you need to know or how much you need to learn before you get baptized. What do the writers of scripture say about this? I want to look at a couple examples of the progression of events in the Bible. Uh, And the first is from Acts 8. This is what Luke writes. Simon himself believed and was baptized. So notice the progression. First he believed, and then he was baptized, in that order. Another example is from Acts 18. At Christmas, the synagogue leader and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. Notice the pattern. First they believed, and then they were baptized. And that's the pattern we find consistently in the New Testament church. People would put their faith in Jesus Christ, and then they would express it publicly with baptism. Uh, When a couple gets married, you know, they look at each other in the eyes and they express their vows of love and devotion. And then to mark the significance of those vows, they exchange rings with each other. The ring comes after the vow. The symbol comes after the commitment. Baptism is only significant after a person makes a commitment to follow Jesus Christ. Once you come to faith, You don't have to spend time getting your spiritual act together before you take that public step of baptism. Waiting until we grow up in the faith is not a requirement of baptism. The simple requirement is to have the faith of a child. The requirement is that we have genuinely put our trust in Jesus. Now, what if you put your faith or your trust in Jesus three years ago or 15 years ago, but you haven't been baptized yet? either because no one has taught you about it or maybe you've just been putting it off. 
I think when you understand that you need to be baptized after you come to faith in Jesus, you just follow. You just go ahead and do it. Like whether you made your decision to follow Jesus uh, five days ago, five months ago, five years ago, or 50 years ago. Maybe your parents had you baptized when you were a baby or very young. That was true for me. I was baptized as an infant. And if that's true for you, you may ask, well, isn't that good enough? You know, often parents want their children baptized primarily as a sign of their dedication and their commitment to God, expressing their intent that one day they hope their child becomes a follower of Jesus. And if your parents did that for you, I think their motivation was pure and in the right place, and you ought to be thankful for their spiritual concern. You ought to express gratitude to them for that. But at the same time, if you look in the Bible, baptism always comes after someone comes to faith. If you, if you decide to be baptized as an adult because you've come to your own sense of faith now, I mean, that doesn't repudiate your, your baptism uh, as a child. I mean, you can kind of view it as a fulfillment of your parents' wishes and their prayer that you would follow Jesus one day on your own. Now, if you've reached a point in your life where you've made your own decision to put your faith in Jesus Christ, that's when you should follow his example and express your decision with baptism. And that naturally leads to another question. When are my children ready to be baptized? You need to know that thoughtful and committed Christians have disagreed about this question across the centuries. Uh, our understanding as a church is that as the writers of scripture teach, baptism is an expression of the commitment of a person being baptized. Um, it's an expression of, of trust or faith. Therefore, baptism ought to be restricted to someone who is mature enough to actually make that decision and that commitment. So at Blue Oaks, we have uh, what we call parent-child dedications, uh, where parents pledge to do their best to point their children toward Jesus, but we don't do baptisms for babies or you know real young children at Blue Oaks. Uh, let me give you a quick little theology lesson as to why so many Christian groups baptize babies and young children uh, when we don't find it in the Bible. And I think you'll find this kind of fascinating and eye-opening. Uh, a couple hundred years after the church began, a couple doctrines uh, began to get distorted. Uh, one of the doctrines that got distorted was the doctrine of original sin. Uh, some Christians got their teachings skewed on this and began to teach that the moment a child was born, God held them accountable for their sinful nature. And if they were to die, that would mean that they would spend eternity apart from Jesus. But the writers of scripture never teach that. Jesus himself said in Mark 10, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. In the Old Testament, we find a, a sad scene where David is grieving over the death of his infant child. I mean, there's not a more difficult death to grieve than the death of a child. But notice what David says in 2 Samuel 12. But now that he is dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. David wasn't concerned about his baby going to hell. He knew the baby couldn't return to him in this life, but he was confident that he would go to him one day in heaven. And because people got their teachings skewed on the doctrine of original sin, it led to a distortion on the doctrine of baptism. And people came up with a doctrine called baptismal regeneration. 
And this doctrine taught that when you baptize a baby, it saves them from spending eternity apart from Jesus if they die. But remember, the writers of Scripture never teach that a baby's soul is in danger in the first place. The kingdom of heaven belongs to children. David was confident he would see his child again one day. So when should your children be baptized? It's our understanding of Scripture that it should only occur in the same sequence that it occurs for the rest of us after someone has made the decision to follow Jesus. Not because mom or dad thinks it would be fun to have the whole family baptized together, not because a brother or sister is being baptized, not because friends are being baptized, but because Jesus has changed their heart and life and they're ready to express outwardly what has happened inwardly. All right, the next question is, why do we immerse people underwater? Now, there are many different methods of baptism practiced in different Christian uh, traditions. Uh, some sprinkle with water, uh, others pour water over the head. Uh, but we believe immersion paints, paints the, the truest picture of dying to sin and then raising to new life in Christ. This is what Matthew writes. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. So notice the phrase, he went up out of the water. Obviously, he was immersed or he wouldn't have been able to come up out of the water, right? Um, it was a biblical pattern to go down into the water and come up out of the water. And ultimately, we, we know it's not the water that saves anyone or the amount of water that saves anyone. Uh, Jesus does the saving as you follow him. All right, the next question is, what are the logistics of being baptized? And this may be the biggest question for you, even though it's just a very practical question. Uh, people, people often uh, have questions like, uh, where do I go? Like, what do I bring? Do I need a towel? Uh, do I hold my nose? And really all you need to know is that you come to the front of the room at the end of a service when other people are getting baptized. Uh, you can bring a change of clothes uh, if you want to, but you don't have to. We have shorts and t-shirts. Uh, you can go into a bathroom and change if you would like. You can bring a towel, but you don't have to. We have plenty of towels. Uh, you can hold your nose if you feel comfortable doing that. You know, some of my bodybuilder friends, like 250 pounds, like 3% body fat, they think there's no way a wimp like Matt can hold them, you know, that I'll like drop them in the water or something. I just want you to know, I've never dropped anyone in baptism. Like people are really light in the water and I'll take like that bodybuilder and dunk him under the water like he's a 100 pound little girl. All right, last question. Can I be a follower of Christ and not be baptized? And honestly, I have very deep pastoral concerns about this question. I wanna say a word to you if you've not been baptized. Uh, maybe you haven't been baptized because you're just starting to explore Christianity. Like you're putting together information about God and Jesus and the cross. And you're in the early stages of searching and you've not made a commitment to God yet. And I just wanna be very clear about this. This step of baptism is not for you yet. It's not a step that you wanna take prematurely before you've made that interfaith commitment. Uh, maybe you've made a commitment to God and you've, you've really given your heart and life to him. You understand about Jesus and the cross and so you've crossed that line. Maybe this is the first time you're hearing about baptism. And so you've made the decision but this is the first time you're understanding what a baptism is. Let me tell you this. If 
something were to happen to you, you know, you be between now and the time when you get baptized, you know, say if the plane were that you were on went down, like God is not going to say to you, sorry, you can't get past the gate. You know, you didn't get baptized, so I'm not going to let you in. And that's not God's heart because this is not a mechanical thing. But maybe today you need to start the process and get baptized at our next baptism service at Blue Oaks. Maybe you say you're a Christian, but you've never been baptized. And even though you understand all about it, you have no plans to be baptized. You're just kind of blowing it off. And at this point, I would say some warning signs or warning lights ought to go off for you. Jesus clearly commands all of his followers to be baptized as a way of declaring their devotion to him. First uh, John 5, 3 says, this is love for God to obey his commands and his commands are not burdensome. Very early on, the Roman government demanded that people make their ultimate allegiance to Caesar. And baptism was when someone would get up and say, no, my ultimate allegiance belongs to Jesus Christ. He is the savior and Lord of my life. I mean, this was a, a subversive act and an act of civil disobedience in that society. In many countries around the world today, people still face consequences when they're baptized and cross that line. They face possible loss of jobs or uh, social ostracism. In some cases, they face the possibility of prison or torture or even death. And yet they've done it and they still do it by the millions. It happens even in our society. You know, I heard about a man who became a Christian in spite of very severe family opposition. Uh, they were from another religious tradition and told him that they would disown him if he got baptized. Uh, he would not be regarded as their son anymore and he would not be welcome in their home. This is a very serious deal, but he chose to be baptized. He said, Jesus is the Lord of my life and he suffered everything for me. So how could I not be willing to take this step and suffer for him? What by comparison is very little. Here's a very strong challenge for you if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, but you haven't taken this step. Jesus commanded it, and his followers have taken it, even in our day, knowing that it meant facing possible suffering and even death, and they've done it with joy. And if you understand all of this and consider yourself a believer but refuse to take this step, there, there's kind of an obstinate spirit about this in your heart, there ought to be warning lights going off for you. Maybe you've been waiting for a spouse or someone else to decide to get baptized so that you can do it together. I just want to say, stop waiting. This is a step of obedience between you and Jesus. So don't put this in the hands of someone else. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and for whatever reason, you've just never taken this step. You've never been baptized. And it's reached a point now where you think it would be kind of embarrassing to have other people know that you're being baptized. I don't know how else to say it. Stop putting it off. Like, don't let embarrassment keep you from being obedient to Jesus on this. All right, here's the last word on the central practice that Jesus established. Uh, if you're at a place where, for whatever reason, you've been casual about this, but decide now that you're gonna be obedient and that your heart is gonna change, you need to know that this is something that honors God. Like when you get baptized, it's a moment that stays with you for the rest of your life. Like I remember that moment so clearly. 
And there will be times in your life when you experience doubt or uncertainty or regrets or guilt, but God will bring your mind back to that moment. It's when you say in a public way, I belong to him. And God says it's true. You do. You belong to me. And you're going to grow and you're going to sense the delight that comes with being able to say, I'm a follower. I'm following and I'm not following perfectly, but I'm following as best I can with God's help. I hope if you're a follower of Christ, you're in that position right now. All right, now I want you to be able to experience what a baptism service is like at Blue Oaks. So check this out. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, if you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. Uh, for directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today. Uh, and we hope to see you on Sunday soon.